Hey everyone, if you're a fan of Odd and Bizarre TV, you can join myself, Kevin, and my co-host Ethan as we host our new podcast, Primetime Oddities, available on Apple and Google Podcasts, coming to other podcast platforms very soon. Hey, welcome to In Star Trek We Trust. This week we're discussing the exciting news that we have a new series coming. The one that mm, we asked for, many people asked for, and here it is. Star Trek Strange New Worlds, Pike, Spock, number one, the Enterprise, it's all coming back. Yes. Yes. The one that I asked for, but you uh, you did not ask for as much. As you probably know, Kevin's yes. been very excited and wanted this to happen quite a bit. I've... Yes. You know, thought it was a fine idea, but I did not expect were, it to happen. You were open to it. You didn't think it was actually going to happen. Yes. Yes. I think, I'll, uh, yeah, I'm excited to watch it. I think mm -hmm. I'll like it. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, there's already some signs that it's going to be... This, we, we have not, we have obviously discussed the prospect of this a number of times over the last year or so. Um over, like, if they were going to do a Captain Pike series, what is something that we wanted to see? Mostly sort of in jest. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I... So... I, I think... So, deep down, I will say that I didn't ever doubt that it was going to happen. It just never felt like it was going to. It was like, well, when are they going to do it? And you're trying to... I'm trying to figure out when is the logical time for them to do this, right? Because Picard's... has Picard just came out. Season 3 of Discovery is coming. They got this... Allegedly, the Section 31 show, a number of anime... So, it's like, in my mind, I'm like, where does this fit on that slate of shows that they're developing? Like, can they do one more, right? Or is it going to take... Do we have to wait for one show to end first? Right. Um, and it didn't seem like... Almost like they announced too much all at once. Exactly. But I think... But on the other side of that coin, though, you also have mm. to consider the mm. fact that, well, they already built the Brit... They already built the set. The Enterprise Bridge exists... The conference room that they use exists. Yes, the corridors are discovery corridors, but you know how much? Yeah. Is, how much is that, right? So things have been. You already have three main actors, right? So all done on Discovery's dime. So you're kind of like, in a way, like forty percent there. Yeah. To use the classic um, television, um, you know, uh, technique, they had a backdoor pilot. Kind of, yeah. And I think. Part of the reason why I was believing this was going to happen also mm -hmm. is that, I mean, CBS and the the people behind these shows did acknowledge how much us fans loved Pike. But I also, I think I even said it a year ago or so, I was also thinking that these Pike short treks were kind of an experiment to see, can we, can we, will this work if we give them more to do, right? And, yeah. um... So I just I just think with the outpouring of support, it would have been ridiculous to not see them again. Right. Now, yeah. here's my theory as to why this is something that sort of seemed to have caught them by surprise. Mm. Because it seems like they have they had their plan laid out where... Them who? Them, the producers, and particularly the producers. Yep. Um, oh, yeah, that, yeah. Right, so they have Discovery, which is these longer story arcs. Clearly, if they wanted to have Section 31, that's going to be longer, these like longer, more involved story arcs. 
um, Picard, longer story arc. It seems like they sort of had this vision that they were pointed toward, and then Pike came along. Yep. And people got so excited, they couldn't ignore the fact that maybe they should deviate from their plan a little bit and try something. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a classic case of... I mean, we've seen this in TV before, right? Where you have that breakout character that people just like so much that they... Usually it doesn't work well in TV with sitcoms. I mean, the Jeffersons, Maud, like, all that. Right, but think about the a Kramer show, right? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't, work, not, all, it doesn't work all the time, right? Joe, Joey had his own show, right? It does, Frasier, I mean, it doesn't work all the time, right? It's just... A character like, a character like you know, say, a Kramer, like, is at its best, is... When he's in the when he's on Seinfeld, when he's by himself, I don't know if it would be as interesting. No, it just would be too much. Yeah. Although Better Call Saul is another good example of a character that doesn't make any sense why it would be so good, but Better yeah. Call Saul is fantastic. So, yeah, I mean, and I think what what excites me most about this is I had said this back when uh, Pike came on Discovery, um, and uh, maybe I was even saying it before this. Uh, in season one of Discovery, because we knew where Discovery was set, sent where it was set. I was like, you know, Discovery gives gave us a rare opportunity. I kept saying to sort of look at the a time in the Enterprise's history that we really didn't know much about, because that ship has a good decade long history before Kirk takes command of it, and the only glimpse of that we saw was the cage. And you know, what else can you do? There's ton- there were two captains before. There was a captain before Pike. There's tons right. to explore in this area. And I think that when you talk to Trek fans over something like this, obviously the sacred text, as I call them, the, as continuity comes up. But really, this one, despite where it's set, really has its hands free of continuity in a lot of right. ways. Right. The only thing it could do wrong is introducing like planets or aliens that they had said, oh, we're sort of first contact with them and then showing them earlier. That's right. really the only thing you have to watch out for. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like any prequel, you have to, you have to kind of tread softly, but, um, yeah, I, I, I think that's the most exciting thing is that this opens up, it opens up everything really. It does. Because Discovery was sort of locked in a little bit in that they started it as something do, having to do with the Klingons. So they were locked in in a lot of ways there. Right. Um, and Picard, of course, is sort of locked in. And then it's Picard in the future. But this is so free because, it, especially the, the title, Strange New Worlds, yep. tells us that this is going to actually be, like the original series, a five-year or whatever-year-long exactly. mission to yep. seek out strange new lives and new civilizations. Um, so it, it opens it up to have... You know, just to let your imagination go wild. As we talked about, we sort of jokingly said, we want to see some crazy stuff like Abraham Lincoln in space. Right. Yeah, you know, or, do we see Anson Mount getting into fights like William Shatner did, right? Right, like, or oh. a planet that inexplicably is 1980s America. Right, yeah. Those things happened um, on the original series, they certainly could happen. It was just crazy aliens you can make up. Anything, and, you, anything really. And, you know... This is also one of those Trek shows that I had been longing for, right? Not specifically a Pike show. I mean, I've been wanting that for the past year and a half. But, like, just a Trek show 
we, I mean, we we wanted this ever since the beginning of Discovery, right? And we saw inklings of it in Discovery, where like we just wanted a ship mm. going out and exploring space. Yeah, and, New Eden. Right. There was and we, New Eden was the episode where we, we thought, oh, this is it. This right. is so exciting. Exactly. And so, and that really was sort of like original series type of deal, right? Like you would have seen that on the original series in a lot of ways. Yes, he planted his, for some reason like an Earth prairie of the 1800s. Yes, and so, and I know fans are like, well. I've seen fans say things like over the years, like, well, that's not entirely original and that sort of thing. And like, and yes, it's not, but we, as far as Trek goes, we haven't had that in the franchise really since enterprise went off the air. And so with the current slate of Trek shows where you have discovery Picard section 31. Now where Picard is going in season two, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if they're going to do any sort of exploratory type of storyline. I think it's going to be more like sort of a world building type of situation. It wouldn't make sense if they just suddenly took off to explore the galaxy. Right. So within the current Trek environment, while, yes, it's not an entirely original concept, it would still be a refreshing one because no other Trek show is doing that. Right. And plus it's maybe not original in the broad strokes, but it frees you to tell any kind of story you want. I mean, look at the original series. How many different types of stories did they tell? Right. And... What I think both of us hope that they'll do, and there's a lot of speculation. Um, oh, and one other bit of perhaps a good sign. So there actually was a book series called Strange New Worlds for Star Trek, and yep. it was anthology short stories. Yep. So probably no connection, but uh, wouldn't it be great if we got that type of a show where it's shorter stories? Because, um, you know, you can use the crew as sort of a microcosm of society, and they encounter these things, and they encounter whatever, a flower that makes you greedy. Yeah. And then how does that play out in the the lives of the characters? Yeah, I mean... Anything like that. I think the show has potential to do... You know, and I I know this is a term that people kind of throw around a lot, and it seems corny, but but really take the franchise back to its roots in a lot of ways. Um, Mm -hmm. So, like... Not only is the concept of them going out and exploring space original in the current Trek environment, despite the fact that it's not totally original, but it's original with compared to the other shows that are on around it. But I think you also have an opportunity to, and I know Anson Mount has said this on a few interviews um, like a year ago, but telling shorter form stories. Like I'm, I personally am exhausted by the season long storylines and i think it would be refreshing to kind of go back to self-contained episodes or maybe kind of do what enterprise did in the fourth season and do smaller ones right yeah or i'd be willing to compromise like if you're going to do a season-long arc like at least make it enough to where you can kind of veer off from it a little bit and do these smaller self-contained stories within that yeah like the way I DS9 think, treats the Dominion War. I think that... I really feel like that they really should do that. And yeah. here's the thing. I would imagine that in Hollywood, that's not an idea that is going to seem like the safe bet and obvious to everyone. Right. Because TV now is these long story arcs. So I think it, it's going to have to be... Someone's going to have to fight for that. And I really hope yeah. that someone does. Because think about it. They've already got plenty of shows. They do. That are doing Discovery's doing it. Picard's doing it. If there's ever a Section 31 show, I'm sure that will do it. 
Yeah. So why not have one that's different? I know they're going to have animated ones, and those will be different, but why not have one with standalone episodes? It would be such a sort of a bold idea. Right. Well, um, and let's think of this too, right? TV always operates, TV always goes in circles. So eventually TV is going to come back around and go back to that original idea of just doing self-contained stories. I don't watch primetime network shows, so I don't know if shows like, say, an NCIS or a Law & Order, like... Law & Order is... I think they all do sort of self-contained um, stories. The thing is, because this is streaming now... We, we sort of live in this world now where like shows are made, shows are written to be binge watched. Yes, and doesn't right? take over your life for a yeah. period of time. And obviously, I do not represent the viewing audience, right? I just know that I'm exhausted by this, and mm-hmm. I personally do not enjoy the binge watch mentality because I, <laughs> because you know what it is? It's like I, I I liken it to say like cramming the night before a test. And you mm-hmm. just inhale all of it and don't retain any of it. Yeah. And yeah, I remember yeah. I did it. Obviously, I think it's obvious that we do a podcast like this that we enjoy the thinking about a show, speculating about a right. show, wondering about a show. Right. But see, the thing is, like, I. And it even goes back to when they began doing Discovery, right? Like, I loved the idea that they were actually releasing episodes once a week. I know people yeah. were unhappy with that because they were like, I don't want to pay for this. I just want to wait and binge it all at once. Why don't they just release it all at once? But I got to tell you, like, I'm old school in that sense. Like, I love the anticipation for next week. Yes. And yes. I think... Oh, God. We wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to have these discussions of, you know, yeah. like, oh, what could it mean? What could it be? Who could be doing that? Exactly. Because like, we, would know, we would know 30 seconds later. The thing is, like, I know I reference Lost a lot on this podcast, but, like, I... I did that with Lost, right? Like, I, I loved the speculation week after week, trying to connect dots, spin theories in between seasons. If you have a show that you release all at once, you only have that time to really kind of speculate in between seasons because people just inhale all of it, right? Yeah. But you also run into the issue of somebody's like, oh, well, yeah, like, I haven't gotten around to watching that yet. So you're like, oh, you yeah. got to kind of... I mean, you have to kind of be mindful of spoilers anyway, really, but... Yeah, I think, and I think streaming services are moving away from the drop them all at once model. Well, I think that's kind of why what gives CBS, that's the benefit of CBS All Access being a streaming platform being done by a broadcast network. Right. So you get a little, so even though it's streaming, you get a little bit of that broadcast network thing about it where like, yeah, let's release it every week. I mean, I think... Honestly, I think the reason why CBS did, does that in the beginning was that because they want people to retain their subscriptions and not just, of course, right, get a free trial oh. and just do it all. So, I, I business wise, I get it. Yeah, I think also it makes sense because if you drop a show all at once, as far as like the splash it makes in the culture and online and different things, like it, it gets a real, probably a lot of discussion and then it goes away almost immediately. Right, like it becomes it becomes irrelevant very quickly. Yes. Yeah. Um, because um, Disney Plus is another one that is the Mandalorian came out weekly. Um, they brought back the Clone Wars series, and that was weekly. So I think it's moving yeah. toward that more. The last shows I remember that I really, you know, could have stood to be weekly that I was very excited about that are sort of genre shows were the Netflix Marvel shows. Yeah. 
would release those all at once, and it would always be a chore. And there were some of them that I think I haven't still haven't even seen, even though I like the shows generally, because I just felt yeah. like, I really want to set aside eight hours of That's my the life thing. to deal with this. Yeah, see, I'm glad you said that. That's the thing, right? You release all these episodes at once, and then suddenly you've got a backlog already of episodes to watch, and trying to figure out when do I watch it. And, yes. like, yeah, so... You gotta watch out when you go online because spoilers are everywhere. Right. Now, granted, some people like to wait until the season's over and then do the binge. So yeah. I mean that's fine. I like to watch it right when it comes out and I like I like the anticipation of next week. So I have no doubt I mean, the show is definitely gonna be released, I'm sure, in that cadence. But dude, yeah, like give me honestly give me my sort of um self-contained episodes. I don't want this overly complicated season-long story. Yeah, you know, I would like to see some sort of a hybrid where, you know, the original series, like, it almost like it reset completely, yeah. where nothing carried over. Right. So, like, it might be nice to see characters grow over the, or, you know, yeah. uh, through their experiences, but have the, essentially, like, the main plot of the show should revolve, I would love it if it would revolve around uh beginning, middle, and end story. Like, show right. up at a plane, encounter an anomaly, deal with it, yep. and lesson learned. Yeah, Move what on. was the point you had made a, lo- a while back about how Kurtzman had mentioned City on the Edge of Forever, right? If that yeah. were done today... What did he say? Remind everybody. Um, so he said that City on the Edge of Forever, um, Kirk dealing with that death, the next episode, it was as if nothing had happened. He said, really, you know, it would have taken him weeks and weeks to get over the death of someone that he was close to like that. So despite it didn't really make sense. Met, despite now, the fact the, that he the just pushback met. about that is, does anyone really want to watch a show about someone grieving someone's death? Well, no, right. but you want to see characters change over time. You don't want to see exactly. Like that's the thing. Like it, that would not be something that the show would be about, right? I mean, yes, he's the main character, but I mean, it was obvious in Next Generation after Best of Both Worlds. I mean, Picard had been assimilated by the Borg, and a similar situation, right? Yes. You couldn't just reset him back to normal after that like you needed to and i don't know if that sh- if that episode family the one that comes after that i don't know that that gets enough credit for doing that because that was something that trek just did not do right but and then they didn't have him back after that episode they had him back after that but the fact that they actually did address it yeah that's true was a big deal and i think we have this unique opportunity with pike now i had mentioned this a while back, like, I'm interested in knowing, now that in Discovery, Pike got a glimpse of his future, what effect is that going to have, if any, on him? Like, I think that there's some interesting exploration that we could sort of dive into there. Right? Like, so, right, that's something it like picks up, Assuming that it picks up after we saw him, which would make, be the, make the most sense, but, um, yeah, yeah, I was I thinking about that after we talked today. Like, so when we were talking on the phone today about, um, yeah, let's do this tonight, and you know, we had a brief chat about like, when would they do it? Would they do it after Discovery, or would they do it like after the Short Trek Q and A? And went, you know, and I was thinking I'd prefer them to do it after Discovery, only because once yeah. if you if you begin to do it at the beginning, which would also be fine, but then you run into the potential issue of, okay. Now you're going to run into the cage. Do we redo the cage? Now you're going to run up against the events of season two of Discovery, right? Yeah, like, 
Yeah, it makes so much sense to do it after because it's a logical point. We just saw him leave that crew. So they even could have somewhat of the after effect of that experience. Right. I don't want to dwell on it too much. but Well, and it's weird, too, because when Discovery ended for season two, remember the final shot was the Enterprise warping away, right? I remember thinking to myself, wait, is this, like, the show now? Oh, like, the show's going to follow them now. Yeah, like, is this what it is? That would be neat. And like, wasn't that what Brian Fuller initially wanted the show to be? What? You said how it was going to follow different ships. It was going to be a... Uh, he was going to do, like, an American Horror Story type deal where every season it was going to be something different. That's yeah. brilliant. Um, but the short tricks kind of can do that now, right? And yeah. But I still, think, I still think, as a series, like, that's an idea that's maybe worth revisiting at some point. I'd be interested to see what they would do for that. Yeah, that's bold. See, that's the thing that... All right, this is where I'll be not critical, but slightly just... Uh, mm, I don't know. So I, I hope... That, I think it would be bold to do standalone episodes for them. And Agreed. I don't... I haven't, let me put it this way. I haven't seen anything bold from this creative team that's working on this yet, really. As yeah. far as, like, instead of sort of following the way TV's going, like, going right. in their own direction or doing something different... So I want them to boldly go somewhere that current TV is not well, going to go. Well, I would actually argue that the short treks were kind of bold. That's fair. Yeah. Um, because you know what it is? The reason why I think those are bold, I think it's it's multi, multi-fold, and I guess you could say. Um, that's a That's an idea that really takes advantage of a streaming platform, right? In the old days... Mm. You would have nowhere to put those. Right. I, I say in the old days, and when I mean that, I say like, you know, early 2000s, 90s track. Yeah, where would you even release those? Right? right. Like, would UPN play them, like, during a commercial break? Would they be shorter? Like, would they be? Would they appear, like, on DVDs or video cassettes? Like, where would you put them exactly? Yeah. Right? Although I do have to point out that Star Wars did do these three to five minute Clone Wars cartoons before the new Clone Wars series, and they showed them on Cartoon Network for like at eight o'clock for like the first five minutes. Yeah, I mean, but only you know, only George Lucas could have gotten that done. But also, like the short treks are in a way like they, I think as Kurtzman put them, they're experiments, right? They're they're meant to be experimentation, and yeah. they can be done to sort of fill in gaps. They can. Um, set up new shows. I mean, they've set up, they set up Picard. I'm sure, you know, they kind of set up Pike because I, as I think I was saying, they, they were almost experimenting with Pike in those. But the other thing I kept saying, and I would love to see them do this, short tracks also provide the opportunity, like you could be like, let's do a Deep Space Nine short track. Let's see what's going on there without having to do a whole series. You could use them as a way to sort of revisit mm-hmm. old characters, yeah. right? Without yeah. giving them sort of their own show. Yeah. Or having to and, rely on another show for them to appear in. Right. And another thing that I forgot that it was pretty bold, like the animated ones they did were very bold because those were oh, completely left field. Yeah. The one that was very almost Pixar like. Yeah. And, you know, and I was very confused by them because I thought they were entertaining, but they See, definitely weren't. That to me, when, when, when they did that, I had the same feeling I had when we, when we went in a couple years ago to go see Rogue One, right? Being that. I went in to see Rogue One. This was the first, like, standalone Star Wars film that was not really too related to anything. And I remember saying to myself, I don't know what I'm about to watch, but I'm very open to the idea and I want to see where they take me. Yeah. And I 
had the same feeling with a lot of these short like these short tricks were originally obviously meant to be more related to discovery but right initially initially that's how it was coming off but now i so i would say that that the short tricks are definitely the boldest thing they have done yeah 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 and it is great. I'd like to see them do more. Like they could just take one of the bridges, redress it, and just have a different ship with a different crew encountering something crazy. Exactly. I mean, I like stuff like that. Yeah, but you're right. Yeah. Definitely taking advantage of streaming because, as I often complain about streaming shows that for some reason have to fit into the regular time that a television show would take. Yeah. Um. Right. Take advantage of the fact that you're streaming. If you have five extra minutes that you really want to be in the show, like don't cut it out just to yeah, make it fit I mean, some arbitrary number. I'm sure there's some reason they're doing it. I'm sure there's some they did studio... It, they did it a little uh, bit on Discovery. Like, they... Such Sweet Sorrow Part 2 was, was like, actually ran over an hour. But I remember the opposite effect. There was, like, an episode in Season 1 that was, like, 38 minutes, and we were like, what the fuck? Why is this only 38 minutes long? Yeah. And that's, like, on Game of Thrones. It would range yeah. from, like, 45 minutes to an hour and a half. Right, and you know, some have complained like, why are they putting in slots for commercial breaks? And I'm saying like, well, they got to play ads. They got to play ads. But yeah. one of the things that I kept saying was, I said, I it's think also just convenient. I think what they're also doing is, I think maybe because CBS may want to air these on the network, like in the summertime okay. at some point. But you, it also gives you the chance to potentially syndicate the shows as well, right? Like, yeah, of course, you know. Maybe it won't happen, but like say Sci-Fi Network could maybe pick up the show late, like years from now, and air them, right? So yeah, yeah. Plus, just when you're writing, I mean, like anything, they need they need like acts be broken into acts. You yeah. can't just right. So you just need right. a, a closing point so you can stop and then go to another scene or. Another and the thing is, like, act. I don't I don't look out for this. I don't know if any streaming shows have actually made their way onto TV after they've ended. I'm sure one has, but I've never actually seen it. Yeah, you know. I never thought about that. I don't know if, like, you know, is Stranger Things Season 1, like, on some cable channel? You know, I don't know. Yeah, I wouldn't know. I don't think it has been, though, because I think um, that's the type of thing Netflix wants to keep exclusive. But, yeah, I see your point. Maybe right. it's happened. We don't know. Right. If anyone would do it, it'd probably be CBS since they own, you know, traditional yeah. network. Like, and- I could see them... Like in the summertime, say, like trying to, you know, they need to fill a block of time. So, like, yeah, let's just throw an episode of Twilight Zone or Discovery up there. Yeah, like just throw an episode up there while, um, you know, just to fill in the time. And they and they may say, and it may be a good opportunity to sort of do that to to advertise. Hey, come over to CBS and you, all access, and you can see more of this. Right? Because don't forget, yeah. don't forget, they aired the first episode of Discovery on CBS on the yes. network. So yeah, yeah. Um, I think it, we, this is an interesting time to revisit a conversation we had a long time ago. Mm. So, when um, Solo was in theaters. <laughs> yes, I remember this. Yep. And Kevin was saying, no, I'm not interested, I'm not going to see it. And I forget how we got to it, but at the point I got to the point, I said, yeah, but if they made the Young Pike Chronicles, you would go see that, wouldn't you? <laughs> Well, and and oddly enough, he was arguing is, that Solo didn't need to exist. And oddly right. enough, season one of Discovery had already ended, so we knew Pike was probably going to show up. That's true. So like, and you, and I remember I actually, and I I dug this up one time. I'll have to do it again. I remember I actually the day Solo came out, I tweeted a picture of Pike, Jeffrey Hunter, because we hadn't seen Ensign Mount yet, and I said, "Let's be honest, we'd all go watch Pike, a Star Trek story." 
Oh yeah! Wow. You should, yeah. should pull that up. You should. Yeah, I should it. pull that up. I, I did it the day. I did it release day of uh, Solo. So it's like May twenty eighteen. I'll have to find that. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So we, I, I said it as a complete joke, not knowing that a couple years later. Because at the time, I was complaining like I just don't see why they need to expand the universe beyond this. I just I don't see the need for this, and yeah. Yeah, my point was they don't need to, but right. it's still cool. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, so I think the interesting thing for me is, like, what else... So, going back and watching The Cage, I mean, thinking about the characters who were on that show, you do have Dr. Boyce, right? Uh So it's like, you know, and Dr. Boyce was not seen, he was not referenced on Discovery at all in any of the short treks, so it's like, you know, is he still there? Um, the one thing that I would be, what I think would be really cool is I think, you know, the show hasn't even begun yet, but I'm jumping way ahead and thinking to myself, the logical end point for this show is Pike handing command over to Kirk. Well, okay, that brings up something interesting. So I was reading, because I was looking to see, as I'm fascinated by the hate of Star Trek fans. Mm. So I was hunting around for some hate of this already, because it doesn't take long, as we know. Yes. Um, but there was someone on one of the... No, this is all, like, third and fifth hand. They said, like, oh, this is weird, because last week I was reading on one of the forums, and someone was saying that there was a casting out for Uhura and Kirk. Really? Um, and, of course, put together with this, that does seem kind of interesting. So, But that brings up, you know, like, I wonder if there could be a role for them in some way. Obviously, Kirk's on a different ship. He would be on the Farragut, right? Yes. So here's here's what I was thinking of, and I, I may have said this on one of our older podcasts a couple years ago. So you remember the first Abrams film, right? So even though that's an alternate reality, right? Mm-hmm. We have seen in, that, in those two universes, like, even though they deviate, similar things still happen, right? Like, Kirk is still captain of the Enterprise, that whole crew together. How, how it actually happened... Maybe it's different, right? And I thought to yeah. myself, is there a version of that movie, of those events, that happens in the Prime universe, right? So, like, you know, Pike is captain of the Enterprise way longer in this timeline, but eventually, say when you get over to the transition to Kirk, right, does the crew that serve under Kirk eventually slowly begin to make their way on the Enterprise, albeit in lower ranks, right? Like, is McCoy already on board? But, like, you know, is Dr. Boyce, like, say, a mentor to him? Is Scotty already on the engine, already an engineer on the... But he's not the chief engineer yet, right? Right, and also, is there anything to tell us that 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 isn't what happened? No, that's... See, and that's the other thing. So when Discovery premiered, right or what was gearing mm. up to premiere, there was this article I saw, and I think I read it on one of the podcasts, that outlined where the crew of the Enterprise at that time was during these events. Mm-hmm. And you begin to realize that outside of Kirk and Spock, we really don't know... There's no canon that really exp- that really responds to where the rest of that crew was at the time. So... Um, So, I, so no, like, in a way, this show is sort of taking the place of Discovery and being able to answer those questions. Only now, it's because it's the Enterprise, there's a better chance of actually doing that. Exactly. You know? Like, who's to say that Uhura didn't come on the ship at one time as a cadet? Right. And then eventually make her way back, you know? Like, right. 
Nothing. And who's to say that the Farragut and the Enterprise didn't do some missions together? Exactly. You know, and you could say, and you, you were able to say the same thing about the Enterprise and Discovery, right? You're like, who's to say the Discovery didn't at one point rendezvous with the Enterprise? Right. Yeah. So obviously, Discovery didn't exist before, so we can do whatever the hell they wanted to. Right. So, and this is what I mean when I say there's not a lot of canon that they can really violate. Right. Right? I mean, dude, we could even potentially see Captain April, Pike's former CO, the first captain of the Enterprise, as a admiral, or as a, I think he's a commodore at that point. We could, that would see, make a lot of sense. we could see him. I mean, how cool would it be if Pike's former CO comes on and takes a tour of his old ship? I mean, right? it'd be I mean, fine. I know you would find it very cool. It, but the thing is, like, but what I mean, is, yes, it would be cool. Like, not to say that, like, I, I would demand that that happen. But what I'm saying is that's something that this show could do. Like, it's Discovery left, but this show sort of came in and took its place. It's still in the same era. Right, especially and, now that Discovery is in the future, doing its own thing. Exactly. But also, you know, we looked at Discovery as saying Discovery has an opportunity to sort of answer these questions that we're talking about here, but it's probably not going to because that's not what the show is about. Yeah. This is a show. This is the Enterprise. Like, they could right. do that. And as everyone knows, the Enterprise is almost a character unto itself in a Star Trek show. So Correct. in one way, we're seeing this character in a different form. And you, yeah, you can have all kinds of things like that. Yeah. So, uh, But I think, I hope they don't get too bogged down in that, as you said, right, about Picard. You don't want them to have to rely too much on nostalgia. Yeah. And I think, I, I think we both agree that in um, Picard they had a good balance of including things, but having them always have a reason so none of it felt forced or like they were yeah. just saying, oh, look at this, huh? Yeah. So that was good. So I hope yeah. that they keep that up. Um, the one thing that I think, I'm thinking back to the original series. And remember that the original series, I think one thing almost that would take a, a shift is that the original series had lots and lots and lots of writers that would come in and write one episode because they had a cool idea. Yep. And Harlan Ellison. Right. I think Richard that's Matheson. different yeah. than today where they have a writer's room where there's all people working on the same stuff and you sort of have yep. the same, whatever it is, five to ten people. Yeah. Um, so I think that if doing standalones, it might be. Yeah, that kind of reinforces the standalone idea. Yeah, but yeah. so I don't know if shows would ever still do that, but I think that makes the most sense for giving the broadest and most different ideas. Yeah. Yeah, I think because I think what they would do is they would. There used to be a process on the next gen days, at least, where they would yeah. accept writer ideas, which um, is how. Um, and who got hired that way? Uh, Ronald D. Moore, I believe, did. Yeah, yeah. Can you believe that? So um, Ronald D. Moore. Think about this for a second. Ronald D. Moore, who you know, uh, a titan in television producing. Maybe not a titan, but um, well, I think to genre he, television, yes. He wrote, wrote a script and sent it in, and then got a career out of it. That's yeah. how it should be. Yeah. As someone so, that tries to write scripts. I think what they would do, and I may be wrong about this, but I think what would happen is they would basically buy the... So NextGen would have a writing staff. I think what they would do is they would buy those ideas, and then basically they would give it their polish. Right. But you know, I, who knows if they even do that or have the infrastructure for that? or would Yeah, we, I mean, it? we don't know. Yeah, we, I mean, there's no way to know. 
Um, yeah, but, but I just think it would be it would be expecting a lot to expect five to eight people to come up with the variety of stories like on the original series. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, one thing, and so in talking about the show on Twitter, because I've been talking about it all day, my, dude, my adrenaline is still rushing from the whole thing anyway. Um, and it was announced like, what, eight hours ago, I think. Um, I would have to insist, like, I hope, you and I talked about, like, if they make a show out of this, it would be most closely tied to the original series and trying to echo the original series as often as possible, right? Yeah. I mean, I had even said, just call it Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> right? Good point. But even then, I'm still fine with this. So, like, I have to believe that Anson Mount is going to do some kind of opening narration. Oh, yeah. Right? Are yeah. you going to use the original series theme? And you Like, are you going to do an opening theme similar to, you know, even if they don't copy it exactly, I feel like they would have to do one that echoes that a little bit, or calls back to it in some ways. But like I have the chorus believe... of the ladies. Da, da, da. Yes. Yes. It's like something but... different ones. <laughs> I will be very surprised if Anson Mount does not do the opening narration, if they don't do something like that. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. It makes sense. Here's a question. Speaking of Anson Mount, Anson Mount seems to have really, like, taken to this character a lot. Yeah. Um, and seems to have been part of getting this done, mm-hmm. getting this created. Do you think he's going to have any role in steering the direction of the show? Has there yeah. been anything announced about that? I know he doesn't have the clout of Patrick Stewart, but... As someone that gets the character, yeah. it would be nice if they did. I wondered about that, and I, um, I, all I know is in really trying to dig up any info on the on the potential of it being a Pike show over the last year or so, and just looking for anything, um, you know, Anson Mount does one interview, and then and then like you know five fifty different websites do it, and then they. Uh, analyze it on their own. Oh yeah, pull one quote. Yes. I know that some of the things that Anson Mount has said was he said that obviously yes he would be open to playing the character again, but he he did say that uh, creative discussions would have to happen. Mm. And I do know that I think it was at one of the conventions. I think it was at the 2019 convention, summer 2019 convention. Uh, he did reinforce the idea of wanting to do smaller stories, wanting to do standalone type stories. So nice. my hope is, is that, you know, maybe he used that as a bargaining chip to come back and say, I'll come back, but you got to, you know, I, I'm hoping we can do this, this, and this or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think though that actually brings up a good point to look at the wording because, you know, I'm sure that the wording was very carefully chosen for the announcement. Yeah. But you've got, Ethan Peck saying how the Star Trek ethos is curious, welcoming, and unifying, for one. So again, the idea that Trek has always been progressive. Yep. And if you complain about it being woke, it's always been woke. If you want to use that new word, I know the word has a lot of negative connotation around it. It's just yep. the same thing as progressive was in the 60s. Right. And in the 60s, when they had uh, interracial kiss, people would have been saying, Which I'm, sure people turned to, I'm sure people in the 60s turned their TV off and that happened to which, believe it or not, was Still not... Hollywood pushing their misogynistic ideals on me. Which, by the way, just a, was not the first interracial kiss on television. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure, though, equally disliked by racists. Oh, it other. was, it was. But, you know, that's one of those things that often gets pointed to as, that's the first interracial kiss on television. It's like, uh, it actually wasn't. I believe it's one of the first... I don't even think it's the first interracial kiss on, like, 
primetime dramatic television, scripted television. Uh, I could be wrong about that, but I know that it was not the first interracial kiss on television. Still impactful and still important, but nevertheless. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then Instant Mount says, um, I'm looking forward to bringing classic Star Trek, a classic Star Trek show um, full of optimism or focus on optimism in the future. So I know that one of the big um, digs that a lot of critics of the new Trek will say is that what happened to Roddenberry's vision of optimism and exploration? Yeah. So it seems like that's a... Yeah, and I think I think Discovery takes a lot of that. As you and I kind of pointed out along the way with this season of Picard, it seemed to retain that. I mean, I think it was... And we as much as said it in the finale of the show. Like, oh, it was building to this battle that never happened. Because they, they, yeah. they Roddenberry'd their way out of it. Yes, it did not end with a battle, which was yeah. the most Star Trek thing. Right. And, you know, like we said, sure, part part of Star Trek was corrupt, and by the end it had redeemed itself and gotten back to its core values. So Right. Yeah. Everybody wins. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I, 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 I'm hoping that that's going to be the case. I mean, I think back to when Discovery was announced, and they even in the initial press release... It was announced two years before the show actually premiered, but they said something similar about how, you know, seeking out new life and new civilizations and that sort of thing. But I think they were just maybe kind of quoting the the Trek um, catchphrasing at the time just to kind of build excitement for it. But, yes. um, yeah, I mean, that's been something, as I said, that you and I have longed for, is just going out there and just finding something weird in space. And saying what the hell is yeah. this? And we saw glimmers of that on Discovery, and we were like, "Oh, it's so we're so excited!" And they just yeah. they just didn't seize on that. And you know, Discovery and Picard mostly are dealing with this world building kind of in their own backyards. They're not doing anything new. They're not pushing that envelope of you know what happens when we go out and we find this weird nebula and there's some intelligence inside, like that teaches us something about ourselves. Like, want, I want to see... I miss that. I miss that. And by the way, you don't have to do that in every episode. Right, I mean, don't forget, I mean, we talked about how they solved it without a fight. There were plenty of fights in the original Star Trek. There was plenty of punching. Oh, totally. Plenty of... totally. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I point this out to... I used to point this out to people a lot when discussing that, and I would say... I think I, at one point, I even came up with a number of TOS episodes. And, you know, somebody had been complaining, like, it's not about exploration, it's not about this, it's not about that. Or just Star Trek in general, right? And I pointed out the number of TOS episodes that were and the ones that weren't. And so I said, by your logic, the ones that of TOS that don't do that, it's not Star Trek. So, by your logic, like, like half the show is Trek, and the other half is not. Yeah, because sometimes they would just encounter a baddie of some kind, and they would have to outsmart or just brute yeah. force. Or, I mean, the show I like to point to on TOS is look at the Doomsday Machine. I mean, it's like, it, I mean that that is a 1960s version of a Discovery episode. Like, that is a nothing but an action-packed episode, mm. right? And really pushing the boundaries of what they could do with special effects. on. I mean, that is a special effects-heavy episode. Right. I mean, yes. There's some character drama. You could say that it's like a it's a metaphor for like the H bomb or something like that. But it's still an action packed episode. And totally. Um, yeah, they encounter something weird in space. But it's still. I mean, that's a, 
shoot him up explosion. Look at, you know, look at the Wrath of Khan. Look at First Contact. Like th- yeah. these are action movies. Yeah. What was and... the big concept? What was the what was the big, you know, idea concept in Wrath of Khan? Yeah. Other than revenge and defending yourself. I mean, it was character themes, right? It was. It yeah. was us getting. It was us getting older. It was us aging. Like that's what the sort of underlying theme of the movie was. But which is not, not my favorite trek, honestly. To it's not like mine that. either. I it's I, I love it. I will gladly. Yeah. You know, it's a great movie. Don't get me wrong. But it was never my favorite. You know. Right. Um, I actually made a joke on Twitter yesterday. I said to everybody, I was like, "What's your favorite Star Trek movie that has whales in it?" <laughs> right. Yeah. But but you know that one is not that much. I mean, but then but then I got them. but somebody on Twitter Andorian Soup I got to call them out came back with a brilliant reply. They said first contact and they gift that scene where Lily says to Picard Captain Ahab has to go hunt his whale and I'm like oh perfect wow. brilliant that was good brilliant 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 yep yeah <laughs> so um, yeah I mean that's the thing like Trek. Trek can do almost anything. Trek has one of the Trek has the ability to kind of to tell any kind of story that it wants to, right? And just because it doesn't do an episode about exploration of that stuff like that, doesn't make it any less Trek than the other ones. All I'm saying is I miss that aspect of Trek. We had not seen that in a long time, and I would love for a show to do it in sort of make it in regular rotation, right? You can still do your other fun episodes, but yeah, you got to give us more of a um, give us more exploration, finding yes. something weird in space. Yes, and you know, I don't even mind if they keep it almost to the level of um, you know, like entire alien species that sort of have one character trait. Right. That's what Star Trek is, and it's not supposed to be taken literally. It's it's you'll be used as a stand-in I know to this. tell stories. You'll be fucking thrilled if, like, in episode three of this show. Pike encounters people with half their face painted white and the other half painted black. You're going to be so happy. Well, I don't know about that, but... <laughs> no, 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 but it just just like encountering something that Kirk would have encountered, right? Like something so yeah. on the nose, oh, right? Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, it was interesting. That Nimoy interview that I watched, Nimoy talked about that episode and said, yeah, that whole episode, everyone talked about that one moment, that like those three lines. He said, but the rest of the episode was garbage. It was only the three lines that were any good. Let that be so. your last battlefield. Yeah, no, that's that was yeah. third season. That's when the show was sort of getting off the rails and getting yeah desperate. So, um, yeah, but no, I think. But yes, we'd like to see that. You know, like this. Uh, just let it be silly, or even just the, the super basic. One of my favorite ideas is you know you have a life form that's based on something other than carbon, where it's like a gaseous life form or a yeah. rock life form, things like that. And see, it'll be interesting for me to come back and listen to this episode and like say, you know, I don't know when we're gonna get the show, but like let's just say a year from now and we have seen the show, or like maybe two years, who knows. Because I think that this show has the potential to be like one of the best Trek shows because it has the potential to really bring it back to basics, right? And really tell a classic, as Anson Nunn put it, like a cla- do a classic Star Trek show. And to me, you know, not only did I want to see a series with Pike, but it was also like... This is sort of, to me, the ultimate Star Trek spinoff. This is the ultimate Star Trek prequel in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So, like, it can fill in holes while also paving its paving the way, finding its own path, more so finding its own path than just filling holes. So, like, it could be what people wanted Enterprise to be? 
Yeah, I mean, Pike, a Pike show in a lot of ways can do, I mean, Enterprise was a prequel, granted, like a century earlier, but like, you know, I think this show has the potential to sort of do what Discovery probably should have done in regards to making use of the era in which it was set in. Right. Right. So, um, I have a feeling the show, I'm hoping the show doesn't sort of inherit a lot of Discovery's former threads. Like, I, you know, no. we're probably, I, I have no doubt that we're going to maybe see Lorel at some point, right? But like... Uh, yeah, maybe for like a one-off. But like, what disappoints me, right? Like, you killed off Admiral Cornwell. Like, we could have seen her on this yeah, show. that's true. Right? Like, Being a regular like, admiral. Yeah. Like, a, one of the few non-corrupt admirals out there. Um, <laughs> so, you know, yeah, no, it would make sense that they would see Laurel. Don't show, do not show me section thirty-one again, right? Oh, no, um, and here's the thing: like, I, we don't know the status of that section thirty-one show, right? And I think it's supposed to be in the twenty-third century, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, are you now going to have potential crossover between the two shows? Who knows? Right, um, and even if it were like the thing that popped in my head, like, what if it's a moral struggle between like. Starfleet's trying to more militarize the Enterprise with Section 31, and, and yeah. um, Pike is resisting. Like, even that I don't want to see. As good as that would be in theory, you know, because he would be holding up the real ideals, I don't want to see that. I, I I, the thing is, I want like the that. show to really stand on its own. Like, I don't want it to... You know, I know they can't reference Discovery because of how the show ended, but, like, I want it... The show, in my opinion, I want the show to act like none of the other shows really exist around it. Like, yeah, well, definitely, no. definitely. If you want to throw in some Enterprise references, go for it and pave the way for TOS. But like, other than, like, I don't want to see oh, Tyler. Paul. Don't, don't fucking. Maybe forever. I'll get to Paul. Yeah. <laughs> like the thing is, like, don't fucking show me Tyler. I don't want to see him again. Right. No. But like, I remember thinking when Discovery ended, I think I vented about this on a um, wrap up. One of the things about Discovery I was going to miss at the time was, like, I, I really missed the f- idea that the show was really going to lose the potential to, again, take advantage of the time period in which it was set. So, like, I, the example I used was, you know, Harry Mudd was there. We can't see Harry right. Mudd anymore. Well, well we can we, now. I bet you we will see Harry Mudd, actually. Yeah, so, like, we can still... So, again, the show is filling in the gap, filling in the hole, really, that kind of Discovery left by leaving the time frame. And... I think that this is going to be an opportunity to kind of do right what Discovery did not, or what Discovery should have done. And I shouldn't fault Discovery for that, but it's more along the ideas of utilizing the time period in which it's set efficiently. Yeah, they, other than Pike, they really weren't doing that. Right. Exactly. And and to me, Captain Pike was the example of Discovery utilizing its time period perfectly, because... Here's the thing. A lot of the, I think a lot of where a lot of the Trek shows in the past work best are the ones that tell stories that you could only tell on that show. So like, you know, Voyager has episodes where they encounter weird space phenomenon. You're just like, yeah, if I just changed out the names and just put it in with next gen characters, it wouldn't really be really really wouldn't be that different. Oh yeah. You know, so I think. Ensuring, and you know, Pike's gonna have some of that too, I'm sure. But like, if it's gonna be a show about exploration, but primarily, it's it has to be a show that really tells the tells stories that this show 
that no other Trek show could really do. And I think that gives it its, and that's what really gives the show its own identity. I mean, look at all this. Look at all the episodes in season four of Enterprise. You couldn't have told any of those stories on the other shows. That's, that's a, that, true. you know. That's true. But if they do go in a totally new direction, then it, it like, it shouldn't matter. You know, yeah. if they're doing totally unique things, then it wouldn't matter when. Yeah, I mean, but like even season one of Picard, like they do this whole thing about androids and data. Like none of the other shows would have done that. Oh yeah, because they couldn't. Yeah, I see right. what you mean. Yeah. So. I think I think what I'm getting at is it's finding the right balance, yeah. finding the right mixture, finding the right formula that really kind of makes the show, the show work. This really speaks, in my opinion, to more so to Anson Mount as an actor because the fact that he really took a character who was a blank slate was not very likable at all. Mm. It's all he had to go by, and the fact that he was able to take this character, make it his own, and arguably, not arguably for me, turn him into the best Star Trek captain out there, like, and so much so that he was given his own series. I know you give me that first. Yeah. I mean, because well, Pike's my favorite I mean, captain now. No, but I see what you mean because I think he almost single-handedly, as an actor, is why we're getting the series. Oh, totally. Yeah, totally. Because and it was interesting because what I think all that he did is he just made him like a decent, caring person, which yeah. on Discovery at that point was kind of lacking. Because we had already had the fallout with Lorca, right? So and yeah. we didn't have that. And Michael was sort of, you know, iffy mm-hmm. because she wasn't fully trusted yet, right? So yes. we didn't have that. What Discovery lacked was sort of was a was a leader. Just a, a competent, decent, exactly person at, at the, in charge. We had it for like one and a half episodes with um, George O. Yeah, that's the thing. Like the thing I always said, like the first two episodes of the show, which mm-hmm. focuses with her on the Shenzo. I thought to myself, like even fifteen minutes in, yeah, I said in my head, like it. I'm like honestly, like this is kind of the show, I, the Trek show I want. Yeah, <laughs> like I want to watch I this. Want... Yeah, I want to watch the George O. Chronicles. Well, exactly, and and you know. Off to the side, you could do a short trek about that too, about those That's days. Um, so, I think that this is re- so. It really speaks to Anson Mount, I think, as a performer. And you know, any other actor would have come in and done something totally different. Would they have done as good a job? I don't know. Cause who knows who they would have gotten for that? Right. But I have but to yeah. insist that it's all. This is like all Anson Mount. Like, don't yeah. get me wrong. Ethan Peck, Rebecca Romaine, great. But, oh, yeah. dude, it was it was Anson Mount, and, and like, really, yeah. and I said it was just that he's. I think essentially he had what you need from every Star Trek captain. Yep, that is like a core totally. level of competence and decency. The way I describe him to friends of mine who have not seen that season of the show yet, and I tell them how much I love Captain Pike, they say, "Well, what's Pike like?" And I say, "He's sort of this." cool mixture of Picard and Kirk. More Picard than Kirk. He's got the kind of Kirk likability swagger, but he's got the morals and ethics of Picard. He'll speak up when necessary, but he does it more like Picard does than Kirk. Yes, but also he's right. more personable with his crew than Picard was when he was captain. Totally. Like if you if I was in Starfleet and it's reinforced in in the um in the short tracks in Q and A and um I think is that the one Q and A with the cadet. Yeah. 
Um, like, that's the captain I'd want to serve with. Yeah, like if I you're having a bad day, he's gonna notice and he's gonna check right. on you later. So you're and, all right. And the thing is, like, I remember there's a there's a next gen episode, Chain of Command. Captain Jellico comes on the show and takes the place of Picard, and he's got a very contentious uh, yeah. relation. Remember that? And he's got yeah. a very contentious relationship with yeah, with very Riker, like with uh, Riker. arcing right. orders and not caring about morale and all that. So I remember toward the end of the episode, there's a scene between Jellico and Riker, and Riker says to Jell, and they're they're honest with each other about they're speaking their minds to each other about how much they don't like it, and and Jellico says to Riker. Let's drop the ranks. I don't like you. I think you're insubordinate. I think you're willful, and you're not a particularly good first officer. And Riker says back to him, "Okay, well now that the ranks are dropped, I don't like you either. You're arrogant. You're close-minded. You don't provide an atmosphere of trust, and you don't inspire any of this crew to go out of their way for you." That mm. description. That's something that I that Pike would do. Like I would go out of my way. Pike hmm. would inspire me to go out of my way for him. Yes. Yes. Right? And you definitely would trust him. And even if you disagreed with his decision, you would understand that like he takes it all very seriously and he listens to all sides and he made a decision. But even like on. even like within the world itself, I think the show has done a really good job of like like especially with that cadet in that up in that short trek, like, oh my god, like you had you served under Pike. Like Pike's on your like Pike's on your that's gonna be really good for you. Like that's gonna you're gonna, you know. So mm-hmm. I, I just, yeah, I, I just think it says a lot. Like if he's, even though Starfleet's not real, obviously, but like that's the kind of captain I would want to serve under. And like in just going through Facebook comments one time a long time ago, like you know people who have like you know Star Trek has a lot of fans who are like in the military, right? And I remember mm-hmm. one of them, I'll never forget this. One of them did say, just so you all know, there are Captain Pikes in the military. People like him do exist in the military. There are captains out there like him. And I bet everybody loves serving under them and feels valued and respected. Yeah. Yeah. So That's good to hear. Um, Yeah. Very good to hear. Yeah, totally. Um, So, man, I'm, yeah, you know, obviously I'm excited. I called you and I think I screamed on the phone. Like, I was just... (laughs) Yes. I was was just through the roof over the whole thing. So, um, obviously, as of this recording, we don't know... um, when is the earliest we could see it? Obviously, with this global pandemic going on, it's anybody's guess. But um, knowing that it's coming is very is very reassuring. Yes, it's exciting. It's exciting, it really is. And um, I will say that I'm definitely excited. I hope, look forward to where it goes. I will just the only caveat that I have is that I think that um, it's I think it's harder than people might think to write standalone episodes that are like as good as the original series and the next gen ones that are great. So I just hope that hope they do standalones and I hope they're great. Same. Same. And um, I think it's going to be a great title. And obviously on this podcast, we will be covering the show when it finally gets here. Oh, of course. You know, probably I'm going you know, if I'm going to predict anything, Mm-hmm. I'm going to say, I mean, obviously the COVID-19 thing is a block, is a thing, but so we don't know when that's going to end. But assuming it's going to end within the year, I'm going to say probably 
two years, maybe a year and a half, two years. Do you think they'll be shooting about a year from now? They could. What they tend to do on these shows is that they shoot them and then they air them. Like they don't, they don't start airing them when they start when they're like wrapping up the maybe like the last two episodes. So they film a season and then they shoot it and then they uh, excuse me then they air it. So yeah, um, but it seems like if they already have some written. Well, to your and point, a lot of the casts they could be filming like depending on what happens in the world, they could be filming next spring or summer. Yeah, I mean, to your point, I don't know if you said it before we were recording. You said that with everybody sort of under lockdown, there's probably a lot of time to actually be writing these things out and mm. just having it. So it's basically like having it ready to go. Like, okay, guys, the pandemic summer. All right, let's get to the set. And again, yeah, this, and okay. the sets are built already. Can, yeah, and you can do video calls to like work off scripts and yeah. whatever. And it again, be, have it written and really like well written. I would assume. And again, the sets are built already. Well, right, the main ones. The main one. The, well, the, the, some of them. They are. better have. They better do engineering, right? We haven't seen engineering in the Enterprise yet, have we? Well, we saw it as like CG, but not as a not as a physical standing set. They better have the ladders. Yeah, like the thing that I wonder about is um, just before we close is that if they film this in Toronto, like how much of the Discovery set, if at all, do they end up reusing? Right? Because I mean, they did use the Discovery transporter room and redress it. Like, so do the shows? Because I don't think they're ever going to be filming at the same time. So, like, are they going to do, like, the movie thing where, like, you know, if you watch Star Trek VI, aside yeah. from the bridge, everything else is the next-gen set, which right. is a redress of the movie sets, right? So, like, are they going to... So, in, in other words, like, do they only really... How many sets do they really have to build? Probably a sick bay. Right. I think they have to go to Ticonderoga and uh, do a tour before they start building. Dude, how awesome would that be if, like, over the course of the series, it begins to slowly transform into that, <laughs> into that, that set? Would, that would be funny. Yeah. They could just go to Ticonderoga and film there. I would watch that. <laughs> yeah, so I... You know, would you say that... We, I see this a lot on Twitter. Like, Would you say that we're in a sort of golden age right now? For this? Just because we're getting so much of it? Um, I, I can't say that. Because, I don't know. That kind of defines I mean, the quality of it, right? If there could only be one golden age, right? You could still make the case for that point in the 90s. So Yeah. And I think jury's out, but it's you know. And I think the other thing is like, what do you, what are the parameters you're using to define a golden age? Is it just the fact that we keep getting a lot of it, or is it because it's actually good? Right. Right. And you know, and I had a good conversation with somebody at work one time, like when this whole Star Wars and MCU thing was taking off. I was like, I don't know, it's too much. And he said to me, like, he's like, but does it matter if it's good? No, it doesn't. And I was like, no, I guess not. And I didn't think of that about in terms of '90s Trek. It was just always there. I didn't. You know, right, you took it for granted. Huh? You took it for granted. Yeah, you were just the happy that it was on. on TV, right? Or the whole, whole place that you noticed. Well, like, you were just happy that it was on. Like, if, if there was a bad Voyager episode, you weren't, like, pissed off about it. You were just like, eh. All right, well, yeah. next week. And plus, like, you know, for your, almost your whole life, there had been Trek on TV, so it just seemed like it would always be there. It, Whereas totally. now we appreciate it a little more. Ab- and cool. that's the thing, absolutely. Like we always took it for granted that it was just always we we never envisioned that it would actually come to an end someday, because it had just been going on for so long. So, um, either way, um, so Star Trek: Strange New Worlds coming at us. God only knows Some. when. God only knows when. Hopefully, we'll know more at Comic Con when they do like a. Uh, I, I'm sure they'll do like a virtual Comic Con panel or something like that. Right, yeah, they're doing a virtual Comic Con. So yeah. 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 All right, very is, nice. Well, is Comic Con still on? By the way, it is. It is, right? I think they're as no, not not in person. 
Well, no, but like doing it virtually. There, I saw something about it. I don't know how far along the planning that is. But interesting. Yeah. Yep. Interesting. So, all right, cool. So, um, yeah, Star Trek: Strange New Worlds at some point, um, and then we will be back sort of intermittently. We still don't have a release date yet for season three of Discovery. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we'll see. And you know, I think some things are happening. I, I'm 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 making some podcast friends out there in Twitter land, so we may be able to do some kind of. Um, collaboration with some of our uh, contemporaries. Crossovers? Potentially. That's cool. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Drop us a line on one of our many line-dropping services. Just Twitter. Just Twitter. The email is actually still indiscoverywetrust at gmail.com. Okay, indiscoverywetrust at gmail.com. So I haven't even even updated that, so... That's fine. I I, I gave up on. Just, I pushed we just leave the name the same. I, I the thing is I gave up on the email thing honestly. I know I kept pushing it in the early days. But I just I gave up. We should still check it now and again. Oh, I do. We never get anything. We did get some though. I don't know. All right, now we're just talking about our business on the air. Okay, thanks everybody. Thanks everybody.